think today, more than ever, we all need a little hope, a little heart, a little, actually a lot of happy. And I am so honored today that I get to actually bring you in the tangible way, the hope. Today's guest, Hope Mo Quinn, is a beautiful example of the heart of the Father. Her testimony that started way back when she was young, she actually got kicked out of the church that she now works in uh, when she was in a youth group. And so it's just amazing to see how only God, only God can show up in these miraculous ways and plan our steps according to His will and His will alone, and to realize that our pains and our aches are actually what will shape our purpose. And so you guys got to tune in to Hope. She has a heart for women's ministry. Uh, She's also an author of The Second Table. Her book is incredible, came out in 2019. And this next step of her journey is about teaching and coaching and serving to help us as girls and women to become better. So follow her on all the places. She's a breath of life. And so I hope, hope brings you hope today. Tune in, y'all. This is your God wink, the moment that heaven says, for such a time as this. It's time to own your joy, prioritize your health, discover your wealth, and exude your wholeness. It's time to become truly fit. However, this isn't a fitness podcast, though I'm a retired personal trainer and nutritionist. This isn't business jargon or tips and tricks to landing your successful passion project, though that's totally why I'm a business coach. This isn't a quick fix health detox ploy, though I'm all for therapy and I love Whole Foods. I do have a YOLO side sweet tooth though. This isn't confusing religious banter, though I'm an ordained minister still figuring out the many things and facets and faces of Jesus. It's really none of that. So I'm wondering if you're wondering, what is this? Well, This is an opportunity to join me alongside other big dreamers, innovative movers, and lifestyle shakers as we explore and share our messy comeback stories and discoveries with each of you fellow passionate seekers. The Fit and Faith movement was birthed through my own trial and error discovery of mind, body, and soul alignment, and to be totally transparent, my own entrepreneurial crash and burn experiences. I've learned firsthand that being fit isn't about our physique at all. It's not about our qualifying abilities or titles. It's not about our potential. It's truly about our God-gifted passions meeting our purpose. You are one step away from achieving your idea, your dream, your calling, your purpose, whatever you want to call it. And I want to be there for the moment that you say yes in freedom, clarity, and confidence that you are living fully fit in who and whose you were made to be. Welcome to the Fit and Faith Podcast with me, Tamara Andress. There is no better time than now to get fit. All right, all right. Welcome to the Fit and Faith Podcast. I am so honored to introduce to you today's guest who is a fellow sister. Quickly, you'll find that out. And she is an author and an advocate for all of us, especially as women, to become better. So Hope, welcome to the stage. Hi! Wow, I am so happy to be here. I love watching this introduction. It was Doesn't so- it make you happy? You're like so glam. I know. I was like, wow. Uh, so good. I love to just, it's kind of like a surprise and a treat to the guests every single time because it should stroke your ego. But more importantly, we should know that the beauty that exudes from you is all Jesus, as you know. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. That it just shocked me. I was like, this is the coolest thing in the world. I that love it. Me so happy. Well, I am so thrilled literally to have you. It's I have stalked you on, on social media for a while. So I felt like this is kind of a moment for me too. And this is going to be amazing just to share your heartbeat because it is something that I, I think about my younger self and that's a part of like your mission is to be the person that you needed when you were younger. And I think then immediately to my daughter who's six and how can I serve her better now knowing what I needed when I was that age. And so I just love that that's such a heartbeat to your mission, but I'd love for you to just take a second to introduce yourself. You're always best at introducing um, who you are and just the heartbeat behind what it is that you do. And we'll kind of just jump into conversation from here. Yeah, so you will quickly find that I do too much, probably. <laughs> My biggest priority is I am the Associate Director for Student Life at Free Chapel College. I'm in our college room right now. Um, I love it. So it's a ministry training program in partnership with Southeastern University. I am a life coach. I'm an author. I have my mentorship program and I do way too much, but that's what I love to do. And so Becoming Better is my mentorship program with developing ourselves to be those people that we wish that we had. And so that is a super big passion of mine. And it stemmed from me seeing a gap in the Lord telling me to fill it essentially rather than complaining about it. He was like, why don't you do something about it? And I was like, ah, I guess so. And so that's a little bit about me. It takes up a lot of my time. But when the stuff that you do, when you love it, it's not a burden, it's a joy. And so I'm like always so joyful because I love it <laughs> so much. I feel the exact same way. Even this guy who like hardly knows me, but shares my co-working space. He knows my husband actually more. I saw him this morning and he was like, you're just like busy, busy, busy. I said, intentional, 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 yeah. David. Thank you very much. And he's like, yeah, I hear what you're saying. But it is, it's like, it seeps out of you when you have this overflow of energy and you do have the ability to do multiple things. But I feel like overarching, if you look back and you were to zoom the lens back on who is hope and what it is that you do and how God has gifted and talented you and called you into the space that you're in, there is an overarching umbrella right? There's like this overarching ministry heart, servant leadership heart um, that you have to connect with people. So you said that you, you saw a gap. What is that gap? Do you feel? Yeah, I think with women specifically in this day and age is that like the, the generation who's ahead of us, they weren't really on social media. And so they have a lot of wisdom, but they also don't have the same experiences that women and girls in this generation have. And so Girls specifically, I think a lot of them, they love to hide behind a screen. And so everyone is big and bold behind a screen. And there's so much comparison. There's so many filters. And everyone wants to put their best foot forward. And so we have a generation of girls who are being raised on a phone and on social media. And they're wondering why their lives don't look like this. Or if they do this, and this girl will have the confidence to say something mean to them because it's through a screen. And it's like, there's just this gap of a lack of community, a lack of guidance and then this false perception, this false reality of what life looks like, of what it even looks like to be a woman. And then you have all these people lost and hurt and confused and you're wondering why. And it's because of a screen that is full of comparison and filters. And so my idea and my heart is to develop ourselves to be the kind of woman that we wish that we had. And so for me, I didn't really have a mom growing up. And so it was like I had to teach myself how to be a woman. And I tried to do that through looking on a screen and through these celebrities and through these people who only post the really good parts of their lives. And so I was like, 
why is my life messy and no one else's life's messy? I was like, I don't understand. And so this whole idea of caring about ourselves enough to dig down and pull out those things that are kind of hurt and the things that we kind of have like brushed aside and get healing in it and then develop ourselves to be honest with our past, be honest with our current realities and use our ache and let the Lord use it to be our greatest gift for the purpose of building other people up. And so that is the gap. And that is like my biggest passion is using what was wrong and hitting the enemy in the face with it and letting the Lord use it for something good. Like he specializes in and like he loves to do. Yeah, that's so good and so powerful and definitely like just a testimony to who you are and like the process that you have been on, the journey that you have been on in this becoming. I always say like that we're always becoming no matter what stage we are, no matter how old we are, because ultimately you you walked into womanhood solo single-handedly right Right. um and of course own like giving god the glory and all of the good and realizing that the enemy exists a lot and yes through the screen all the time really and so it's more about mindset and heart set for us to stay in alignment as women when we do enter spaces like that um that can create a negative impact or a negative space within our own mind our own heart our own soul our emotions and then end up following suit in our actions Mm -hmm. and so um i would love that you're on this mission i want to hear a bit about how does the second table your book that you authored Mm -hmm. kind of collaborate with this Mm -hmm. heart this heartbeat Yeah. So um, I have always been a reader ever since I was younger. It's just like I wanted to learn. I wanted to read. But what I noticed in a lot of Christian books, it's like not any hate, not any shade, but a lot of them, it they would talk about how they struggled when they were younger. They would talk about these hard times, but it would just be that they'd be like, I went through a hard time, but then the Lord brought me out of it. And now we're here. And there wasn't any relatability or commonality. And so I wanted to write something that pushed the lines of what was safe, that really pushed the lines of what was okay and like normal to talk about. And so I shared my story because, I mean, I grew up really quickly. I had to grow up around like 16 because I was wilding out. Um, and so I saw a lot of life and I wanted to share my story in a way where you would read it and your, your jaw would drop a little bit because you're like, whoa, like this is so real. And so it's written in a way where anybody can read it and they can say me too. And so it's like an invitation for you to have relatability with someone that you might have thought like has their life together because it's not the case. And so it's based on the idea of leaving compromise at the altar and just the detrimental things that compromise will do and how compromise will keep you from reaching your purpose, how compromise will keep you stuck in a rut and then making honesty and non-negotiable in your life. And so whether that be in your relationships, in your workplace, honesty with yourself, making that a non-negotiable to promise to always be honest in everything that you do. Cause the Lord told me that one time, he's like, if you're just honest and you just share your heart, you're always going to be okay. And then the other side of it is this idea of church culture. There's a whole chapter in there saying, I'm sorry if you hate Jesus because of me. And it just goes into how Christians have represented Jesus. And it's like, no one should ever hate Jesus because of the way we represented him. And so it's going back to the thing of leaving compromise, of being honest with ourselves so that we can represent this Jesus the best way possible. So when people look at us, they want to know Jesus. They don't want to run away from him. And I think that's a really big issue in today's world, again, with on social media. 
Wow, that's insane. And I always feel like whenever I'm on here, I'm always prayerful over like, what does God have to teach me at this point? And, and collaborating with people like yourself who, you know, doesn't matter like that generational difference, right? I'm only like a couple years older. I say a couple. I'm a decade. Okay. I'm a decade older than she is, but it's like the, re- the recognition that like God stewards our heart, no matter what stage of willingness we are in. It doesn't matter if you're coming to know the Lord in your fifties or you've known the Lord since you were five or five days old or 15 or whatever that looks like. And so, um, but what I've learned just in this time frame with you already is this idea of compromise and this idea of um, conviction through the understanding that people do look to us as quote unquote Christians with the expectation that we, because we know Jesus should emulate Jesus perfectly. And that's part of our humanness. That's a part of our flesh that actually is the connectivity piece of humanity. However, comparison and compromise have been a filter that have allowed us to say and raise our hands over, yeah, we're Christian. Yeah, I'm holy. I am washed white. I am clean. I am all of these things, but I do it imperfectly. And I think the part that people forget is that they are not true enough with their stories and they're not open enough with their testimonies that they're currently sitting in. So I totally hear you in the past is past, but present is present. So what are you struggling with today? What are you doing today? What is the conversation in the prayer life like now? Because we are always becoming. So um, I'm convicted in that and, and definitely desire that, that sense of transparency and that sense of truth and, I walked out the same conversation with the Lord five-ish years ago now where he was just like, just lay it all out on the table. Like, why hold anything back? Because I already know you and I already see you and I love you even still. And if there are people, human people, and who have a different thing to say about that, who don't agree with what you say or don't love you through it, I'm still here. So it's like this necessity for us to be transparent um, in order for us to show up for ourselves, like you said, but also to emulate Jesus. Right. Right. I love that. You're spot on. Yeah. I, I can't wait to read it and get my hands on it. It's so good. So you guys have to go check out her book, The Second Table. Um, it's I love the name of it and I love the concept. I think it's so ne- necessary. Uh, one of the parts of your bio uh, was that you actually work or go to, not work, you actually go to the church that kicked you out of their youth group when you were 15. I have to know this story because it, it sounds very parallel to something that is going on in my life. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So I'm, I'm, I work in the building that I did. I got kicked out of when I was a goer in the youth program. So, you know, like I grew up in church, your typical Christian family had a mom, a dad. My mom was like, really, she was there, but like not emotionally present. So that's what I mean by that. Um, had a dog, went to church all the time. So we moved to Gainesville, Georgia and started attending this church. And what does a 13 year old girl do? She gets into a relationship with an older boy and thought that was a good idea. And so my life just went downhill so quickly. It turned into an abusive relationship. I started doing drugs, started drinking, became crazy. Um, and I came, I was so disrespectful that I got kicked out of youth group here. And my parents, I had despised the church so much at this point that they would pay me $100 to go to church every Sunday at our main campus. And so I would get paid to go to church every Sunday. 
Um, I got in trouble for shoplifting and then my parents had enough of it and they were like, we're moving you. And so they moved my happy butt all the way to Florida and got me out of here <laughs> and uh, just kept on going down a bad hill, had a traumatic experience, got more involved with harder drugs. And I dropped out of high school when I was 16 and I was like, deuces, not doing it anymore. And this other ministry program in Florida, they took me in at 16, which was crazy. And a month in, I had this encounter with this Jesus that I made fun of my whole life. And he ended up changing my entire life. Never been the same since. So I did two years of there. And at the end of those two years, this church was opening up a college for their first year. And the Lord was like, you're going to go back there. And I was like, no, I'm not. I was like, you're crazy. <laughs> but I did. And so then halfway through my second year, I got hired on full time. And what was funny is that our youth pastor was actually the new college director. And so it was a full circle story. And now they are like my family. We are all tight. And I tell the students all the time, I'm like, there is hope for you. Like, I promise. <laughs> yes, yes. There's just the funniest, crazy, like, oh my gosh and that's like those are the situations where you're like only god like i couldn't even make that up because that is uncomfortable like that is not fun to have to step your foot back into situations like that where you felt shame um and probably guilt and and even like this understanding of like um, empowerment when you left because you're like oh yeah peace i'm out at that point my parents are taking me to florida and knowing even still that you were going to continue living a life that you were. So when Jesus like got a hold of you and you had this encounter, like what were the things that he was telling you? Like, what was that shift like? When I was coming back to Georgia, uh, when you were in Florida and you had that encounter in the ministry. Oh, okay. Yes. Sorry. It broke up a little bit. But, I know I could. See oh my gosh. I, I'm sorry. Um, you know, you can't really put your words on a, a real radical encounter with the Lord and like with Christianity. That's why it gets it's gets difficult when you try to evangelize and share about it because like I can't put it into words because it was so life changing, it was so meaningful. And so what I can do is like I tell people like there it is for you. You just have to ask for it. You have to believe that it can happen to you. But to try to describe it, it was just like it was big enough to switch my whole life around. It was big enough to make me stop doing everything cold turkey and to feel loved and accepted for the first time ever. Because like I had heard about Jesus. I heard about these rules. But being there was the first time that I heard that he loved me. And I was like, what does that mean? I was like, wait, he loves me. And so to love someone means you love them as they are. You can look past what they've gone through and you can see them for who they are and where they're going. And I was like, wait. Jesus loves me. And I think that was the first time that I actually genuinely felt loved and accepted. And I was like, wait, I want this for the rest of my life. This is better than drugs. This is better than stupid boys. This is better than all of us. I was like, this is the kind of love. This is the kind of not just feeling, but this is the kind of person that I want to continue to get to know. And so that was crazy. So when he did tell me back to Georgia, I was like, I mean, I guess whatever you say, that's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That's so crazy. It's so cool. So were your parents in Florida when you were there? I was. Yeah, okay. they were. And so nobody agreed with me moving back to Georgia. They all thought I was crazy. I thought I was crazy, but I was like, I know that this is what God is telling me. And so 
whether everyone hates me for it, I have to go because I know this is what God is asking. And that will do that to you sometimes. And it's going to be testing and it's going to be confusing. It's not going to make sense. But if you know that, you know, that, you know, the Lord is asking you to do something. It doesn't matter who says what you be obedient to the Lord. And he takes care of it. The Lord did. He took care of it. So good. And I think that there is, that's like the component of trepidation, especially like we're talking about comparison at the forefront. It's this like other people's deposits all the time and why it's so necessary for us to stay in unison with the deposit that he gives us on a consistent basis and that he does want to share and he does want to talk and he does want to show you which way and where and how to go. And when we feel that sense of fear, likely it's because there's going to be a breakthrough on the other side. Right. Right. So it's like, keep pressing into that to find out who he is. As we're talking, I, for the first time, I don't watch TV like ever or movies. And (laughs) yesterday I had the opportunity early in the morning to start watching the chosen Mm -hmm. um, Netflix series of about Jesus's life. And I had not yet seen it. Have you seen it? I haven't. I'm not a TV watcher, really. I'm literally not at all. You have to watch this. It's actually okay. on YouTube. And so um, I just, I, I kept hearing about it, kept hearing about it. I'm like, clearly I need to watch this thing. So I ended up watching four episodes. They're like 20, 30 minutes <laughs> each. Yeah, literally I don't watch TV. So this is like really abnormal. My kids were even like, what are you doing? Like, you have to watch this show and they can, which makes it that much more um, better that they see me like investing and in learning more about Jesus. But as you're talking, night, there is this specific part where um, Jesus comes to see Mary Magdalene and she has was in her her sin at this point and just trying to like feel was feeling suicidal because the demons had overtaken her and she wasn't sure what way was north, which way was south. Um, she wanted to just to succumb to the death of this, of the demons. And Jesus sees her and he calls her by name. And at this point, she had changed her name to something else in society so that people just didn't know who she was. And he called her Mary. And when she heard her name and she heard him speak the exact prophetic words that they had recited when she was a little girl with her dad, she was just in a gnaw. Like she dropped a cup out of her hand. It fell. A cup of alcohol fell on the ground. She turns around. She makes eye contact with him. And he just embraces her head and just embraces her. And when that happened, it was like the demon sweat at that point and her head just fell on his chest. And so I'm thinking to myself through the many encounters that I've had with the Lord, it was so similar to that. And like you said, it's hard to really put words or imagery to, but it's this like deep knowing that you've been transformed. And anyone who asked her questions thereafter, she was like, I don't know what or who it was, but I know that it happened and I am now the living miracle. And so I like love the ministry that you're helping just cultivate and the heart behind what it is that you're doing, because ultimately it's like giving people this fresh understanding, this fresh experience with Jesus, not through you hope the human, the imperfect human, but instead the introduction of the perfect Jesus. Right. No, you're totally, you're totally right. That's why when people ask me, I'm just like, I don't know how I got to where I am. I'm like, I really don't know anything. The only thing that I know is that I love the one who made me and that has seemed to work for my life. And that's all you got to do. It's like, you don't have to figure it out. It's just like, fall in love with the one who made you and let his hand guide you. And then you'll end up where you're supposed to go. Stop trying to figure it out by yourself or anything. It's just like, Trust the one who knows you and trust that he knows where he's taking you and just get on board with it because wherever he's going is where I want to go. 
Yes. Yeah. Because when you're in tandem with that and you realize like the fruit that comes with every step of obedience, even past the fear, uh, it's, it's so good and it's so sweet that there's no other option but to stand in boldness and boldness and sweetness were something that was just brought to me this year in a vision on New Year's Day, um, in worship and prayer. And it was actually, partaking in communion that uh, a comical communion because all I had was these little like cinnamon squares and a cup of coffee (laughs) and I felt really guilty about it and as I actually took the cinnamon square he was like I actually am that sweet because so often we take it with with just dry bread right which I of course am like this is the you know the body that's broken for me and I'm thankful and I, I actually am thankful for that blandness but now that I've had it as like a sweet cinnamon square I literally don't want to take communion any other way. And then same thing with the, I am, I haven't drank wine or wine or alcohol for almost two years now. And, um, it was a conversation that he had literally when I was drinking the coffee where I was thinking, gosh, this should at least have some grape juice or probably even water at this point. And he said, no, I actually am that bold. And I was like, come on, like come into the throne room in this understanding that he's that sweet and that bold. And our life can be a testimony to that even in, and I keep going back to this for some reason, it keeps pressing on me, even in our imperfection and where we are right here in the mess of today. Right. Right. So good. So I, I'm like a big dreamer. I am got the business mind. I'm putting on my entrepreneur hat really quick. I have to know like Where do you see like this dream going, this vision, this mission? How do you plan to expand it to be able to just touch more humans, more people, more girls? Oh, goodness. I the Lord has really challenged my beliefs in being a bigger dreamer and expanding um, my perception of what my life should look like, my perception of what I think this should look like, and to be specific with my prayers and with my desires that he has put in me. Because if he's put our dreams in our hearts, then it's because his hand's on them. So he has a plan for them. And so I am so planted where I am right now. Um, there is no greater honor than leading these college students and using what I have learned for them and to watch them grow Favorite thing in the world. I love it. And so if you're a young college student, 17 to 26, free chapel college, this would be something that I think would be so beneficial to you. I'd love to get to know you. And then with becoming better, that is like my women's. Essentially, I know that long term women's ministry is where I'm at. I think that the areas where we have been hurt the most in and the areas where we have struggled the most in will be the areas that the Lord wants to give you the most authority in and will be the area that the Lord uses you the most in. And so for me, I have struggled with women. I struggle with mother figures. And so I know that I know long-term that is where he'll be taking me. And I, I don't know. I don't want to, I have no idea. And so I listened to a podcast this morning and it was all about growing to where you know that you're called to go and to starting with what you have now. And so with where I'm at now, I have the college girls. I have my social media platform. I'm super thankful for it. And so what I'm doing is investing everything that I have into what I have now and just letting the Lord take the next step. And so my goal, Hope's goal, is to have ambassadors eventually for Becoming Better and to give them the resources to have their own groups and to let people go out and make disciples because I really don't care. Like I don't, it's not about me. It's about what the Lord has written through me. And so to give these girls the resources to start their own groups and to develop them so then that they can go out and develop more people. And so this idea of 
committing to ourselves to become better so that we can raise up a new generation where they're going to be becoming better and a generation that me, my people, that we cared enough about them to work on ourselves so we could love them the best that we could. And so I know that's probably a lot, but that is like my dream. I want to write more books. I'm on my second one now. So sneak peek, um, that'll be out next year, probably 2022. Um, and so that's that's just the goal. But I'm really committed to the process. I know it sounds Christianese, but I think we have to learn to be committed to the process and to fall in love with the process. So whenever it, the promise does come that we're able to sustain it and we're able to do it well, and to do it with excellence because we took the process seriously and we didn't despise the process. Oh, that's so good. Such a word for now, especially in what I like to call our microwave society where like everything is, oh, it's warm and hot and you're ready to go. And that's just not the way that I wouldn't say that God doesn't work in an instant. You and I have both experienced that, that quick, um, rapid response that he'll give us in the time of need. But at the same time, it's like this process of the journey is really the part that we are able to grow into and emerge into and nothing worth harvesting takes two seconds to eat and enjoy, not to the fullest extent of his boldness and of his sweetness, right? Like think of a vine, think of the the grape, think of the wine, think of every part of that process. It takes much longer. And so I love that you're, you're staying present in right now, even with that like future dreaming, because so often we don't want to wait and we want to just catapult to that dream. Like if God deposits a vision, which that's how he speaks to me all the time, I can see it for myself and I can see it for other people. I immediately want to get there. I'm like, Oh my goodness, we have to get you across the globe. You've got to be on all the stages. You've got to be able to speak into the lives of women. And then at the very same time, I'm like, wait, you're not ready wait, there's something else that he has that's a part of your process, that's a part of your journey, that's a part of you being right where you are right now in Georgia, that if you weren't there, then you'd be out of line with where his vision is, right? And so that's that continual obedience, even despite hardship or even despite what feels slow. I have a girlfriend who wrote a book called Now Waiting. Her name is Sarah Johnson. She was on the podcast a couple of years ago. And this book is just incredible all around the the experience of the weight and how if we became more patient and more present in that process, there would be so much more enjoyment of today and that we wouldn't be so eager to outlive the, the blessing that is right now. Yeah, there's so much that goes into this. Like even like Hebrews 5, it says that Jesus learned obedience through his suffering. And so suffering isn't like, oh, like I'm going to die, like whatever. Suffering is anything that your flesh isn't happy with, anything that your flesh isn't comfortable with. And so it says that Jesus learned obedience through the process. And what the problem with this generation is that everything is so accessible quickly through our phones is that like we have learned to get everything within an instant. So we don't even know how to withstand this process. We don't even know what that looks like to be committed because there's always what's next. What's what's there? Like I can get anything that I want anytime. And so when it comes to being committed, we don't know how to do that. And what people miss is that we I think what I admire about this generation is that they are so hungry. They're so ambitious, which I love it. But we're we're going to miss out on what God has if we just are so ambitious. Like just because God gives you a vision doesn't mean you neglect where you're at now. Mm-hmm. If God gives you a vision, that means you steward where you're at now, because chances are the people that you're around now, the people that you're ministering to, the area that you're in now, there are things that you need for the vision that God gave you. And so if you just chase after this vision and neglect where you're at, 
you're not going to have what you need when you, when you do get to the vision. And yeah. so it's like if you aren't staying connected and being involved with what's now, even if you do get to what's next, you're going to, you're not going to have what you need because you yeah. neglected what was now. And that is the biggest failure that I see in this generation because it is like, I want it now. And so if you want your vision, then you plant yourself where you're at now and you serve that house, you give your all and you grow to where you want to go and then watch what the Lord does. Because then you get there, you're going to have what you need because you were faithful. And appreciative, like appreciation and gratitude doesn't come out of the lack of not being footed in your process. It's so a part of that because you can't even know how good the thing is until you've worked it and worked it and worked it and learned it and learned it and learned it. And And then there's this experience of knowing that happens, that that's how you become wise. Wisdom, no matter age, no matter generation, is existent only because of the process by which that person got poured into, learned, taught, received, like the years that you've been investing in this process. I think I was looking at your website, which you guys is amazing. You have to go to Hope's, um, Hope, I, I, say, I don't want to say your last name, Moquin? Moquin, yes. Okay, Moquin, HopeMoquin.com. You guys have the link right there if you're watching live and it'll be on all of the links. But there's um, just a, a beautiful part where I was like, oh, wow, I was really enthralled by the numbers. You said seven years of ministry and I also knew you were 23. So I was like, Oh man, what was I doing when I was 21, 20, 19, 18? And I am sure there are many within my community of women who wished that they had come to know Jesus sooner. And interestingly enough, when I was 16, 14, 15, 16, I was actually invested in youth group and a part of all things Christian, right? But also living in secret and living in the dark simultaneously to trying to understand and live in the light. But it was more of a show than it was a truth. And so it wasn't until I was 29 years old that I actually came into the understanding of that moment where Jesus grabbed hold of my face and my head and lifted my chin to his eyes and gave me that experience of love and that experience of deep knowing that I am seen and fully loved in that that understanding of shame and him not looking at me like that at all. And so I think it's so necessary for us to continue to press in so that we can be the shoulders that the next generation stand on. You said that earlier. And I just imagine that like that saying of be the shoulders, be the giants that they stand on. Right. And I feel like the way that you're cultivating and the season that you're in is such a testament to everyone that's to follow, but also to recognize that there are women generations ahead of you that hear you. And that need to continue to hear you. And so I really believe what you're doing and the mission that you have is way beyond the generation that you think you're serving now. Um, So I'm excited to see just what God does in and through you and on this journey. Um, I think it's going to be beautiful. Oh, my goodness. You are so encouraging. So I received that. (laughs) Receive, receive, receive. Okay, okay. You know my feelings over commercials, but this is too good of timing to pass up the chance to tell you about this incredible opportunity that I have cultivated with you directly in mind. You, the passionate kingdom entrepreneur. 
Stop running the race on a treadmill to nowhere. Stop the analysis paralysis and the overwhelm and honestly, the isolation of business building. You know I am all for women supporting women and the concept of community, but this newly developed program takes that concept to an entirely new level. I am giving you an all-access pass to my team of experts and strategists in order for you to develop your own business to the fullest extent. I've taken my business with these incredible people from an idea to five-figure months in less than two years, and I want to provide you the keys to this freedom and centered joy. This is a coaching program with direct conversations with real people in real time. Ask the confusing hard questions that have you lingering in rabbit holes. Get the direct insight you need to design the dream into a fully operating abundant business. Y'all, listen to this A-team, okay? There is a branding and content strategist, a mindset and financial success coach, a biblical foundations teacher, a marketing funnels and ads expert, and of course, yours truly, your Christian business coach. If you are ready to truly invest in yourself, in your God dream, and the people that God is calling you to, this is the only place to start that gives you a full lens development strategy that you can lean into as a trusted, knowing source on a firm foundation. Y'all, I am uber passionate to see you flourish and illuminated within your purpose. You can enroll now by heading over to the one-on-one coaching tab at tamraandress.com. Remember, I have the simple version of Tamra, T-A-M-R-A. I don't know if you know that story, but it's from The Price is Right about a week before I was born. So thanks, mom. (laughs) Anyway, book your call and simply email me coaching at tamraandress.com. Either way, I cannot wait to see you activated. And this is going to be an incredible opportunity and a beautiful season to see you design the God dream that God has planted in you since your mother's womb. It's going to be fun, y'all. I can't wait to connect. Let's get started. Okay, I have another question for you. Are you ready? General, I'm just kidding. It's not that hard. Uh, is I'm curious when you are in the current setup that you're in now and you're serving people who are in school, and I know sometimes people will go into Bible school or ministry and still kind of be in their mess. Okay. So like I was in my getting my ordination and minister's license and remember walking alongside other people in that journey. And we were still like becoming right. We're still pressing into who we are. How do you steward? How do you speak into the life of the people who are still yearning and really haven't had that full encounter yet of change? Right. So how do I how do I communicate with people who haven't had that full life change, but they're on their path towards it? Right. So you're a life coach okay, or so whether you're doing it in ministry. I think either. They're probably similar. Yeah. No, they, that's like the cool thing about life coaching is that I feel like I've been like an uncertified life coach for years. And so it's like, let me just get a certification because it's like the same thing. But what I needed when I was younger, which I think that some of us go about it the wrong way, is that when we really want somebody to change we always tell them that we're like, well, like this is what you need to do. Or like you have the potential to do this. And this is like where, you know, that you want to go or like all that kind of stuff. And like that, none of that works. It really doesn't. If you tell somebody how much potential that they have, that doesn't mean anything to them because you don't know what that person is walking through. And the person that you're telling has so much potential, they could be contemplating their life. And so someone who's contemplating their life, this potential means nothing to them because they don't even know if they're going to be alive. And I know that sounds heavy. So stick with me, but 
what people need, they need to be reminded of what they value. People need to be reminded of what's important to them. And so if you can get to somebody's heart and you can get them to start talking about what what makes them passionate, about what they value, that's going to spark something in them to cultivate a change and to bring out a change inside of them. And so when I was when I was on the right path, but I wasn't fully there. If someone would have sat me down and been like, what are you passionate about? Like, what makes your heart thrive? Like, what makes you happy? And then I could start talking about it. Then I would be like, oh, because once someone can hear themselves talk about what they're passionate about, they're going to recognize that their life is either leading them towards that or away from it. And if somebody isn't passionate about something enough, they're going to want to make that change to get to it because they care about it. And people are always going to attend to what they care about. And so when we can point people back to what they care about, I think that we can lead them on the path to get that life change that they're wanting to have. But people will always be drawn to what they care about. We just need to help people remind themselves what it is that they do care about rather than just saying, you're wrong. You're not doing it right. You're not going to get there. It's like, no, 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 no. Like, what are you passionate about? And let me help bring that out of you. That is like, I'm super passionate about that because I've seen it done both ways and I've seen the fruit of it when it's done the right way. That's so good. I was actually just in a clubhouse this morning talking about this idea of like being able to exist within all of our passions and not having to segment out certain ones because they don't seemingly aren't deemed worthy of a business or aren't deemed worthy of a conversation or aren't deemed worthy of a job or a recognition or a title or any of those things. Not that any of that matters, but it's the knowing that God like fully deposits every component of hobby, every component component of passion, every gift and talent with intention, and none of it falls on deaf ears or blind eyes to him. He sees every bit of it. So if you love cars and you love flowers, like let's infuse it. Let's like make something with it, right? Like I bet you somebody loved cars and they loved flowers and they, you know, the little butt, the beetle, the bug, the Volkswagen bug, they'll actually have like a flower holder next to the steering wheel that you can dip like fresh flowers in. So, right. I just, I just pulled that idea out of thin air, but it's true. Somebody had the idea that they loved the car. They love flowers. They made the flower holder in a car. I think I need that because my little boy picks me flowers all the time and (laughs) right out of the field. So it's just, it's recognizing that your passions have purpose. And I remember sitting across the table from my husband in our backyard five years ago in the midst of this season of just like trying to figure out who I was through the lens of the Lord for the first time in my life, standing in the mirror and being like, I don't recognize you. And I don't know where you're going, what you're doing, how you're even showing up or waking up for the kids that you're raising, for your husband, even for myself. And that was like a deep area of depression for me and also just a facade that I was trying to get past and break free from. And he asked me that exact question, Hope. He said, what are you passionate about? And I was completely silent. I had no words, actually no real recognition because I had worn this understanding of what does everybody else want from me, this people-pleasing life that I felt the need to do these other things. And yet none of them were my deep-rooted passion. And he was like, we just spent a lot of our life savings into that business that you ran for multiple years. Like you didn't like it. You weren't passionate about it. And I was like, it was... 
it really wasn't for me. There were components of it that I liked, the people I liked. But similar to what you said, that place of pain that was around women and, and motherhood and all of those areas, that was where I was planted, was with moms and with women. And I, for my entire life, called myself a guy's girl. Like I didn't like girls. I went into a sorority on a snap bid and went into the room with 300 women and was like, I got to get out of here. This is terrible. And I think the reason I thought it was terrible, I think the reason I never allowed myself to have deep friendships with women who are now some of my best friends is because I was hiding and I was living behind a door that I didn't want to open. It felt like a can of worms. It felt like I was the only one. I was suppressing myself like a highlight reel before highlight reels were even a thing. I was living a highlight reel and it's terrible. It was exhausting and painstaking and like just not cool. So to have that moment with my husband and him just be like, what are you passionate about? And then for you to parallel and say, this is actually the, the starting point find out like, why are you passionate about it? What are you passionate about? And then start pursuing that thing. Yeah, I love that advice. I love that insight. And I, I'm just excited for people who listen to this for them to have that understanding. But I think a cool part about it is in a way that I coach around it is first, let's start with like the pain points what maybe testimonial. Um, it could also just be things that like get your blood boiling. What makes you angry? What makes you like want to combat or raise your hand up against or wave a flag or whatever that is. In addition to creating the second column on the sheet about all of your passions. And oftentimes we can find connecting points from the pain point to the passion point. And this is the process. This is the journey. How did you come from this place, whether it was a pain or a trauma or a root that you had to uproot or just something that makes you mad and get to this place of passion, which is also generally speaking of freedom, because when you create, if you're a creative, you thrive. And just like we were talking about before, like you do all these things, but it's because you're passionate about it because the energy that comes from you is just ignited but likely because, and like I asked, I wanted the parallel. What's the backstory? What's the why to that? Generally speaking, they're within the pain point. 100%. That's my one thing that I will talk about all the time. Like I said earlier, your pain and your ache, it will be your greatest gift in the world to offer to people, but only if you let it and only if you allow the Lord to shape that in you and only if you allow the Lord to take these pains and take these hurts and shape them and mold them into the purpose that he intended for it. And like, it's it's scripture. Whatever the enemy had meant for bad, the Lord wants to use it for good, but it takes our cooperation and us not being so prideful in it, in a sense, like, oh, poor me, this is this. But like, no, let's take the focus off of ourselves. Yes. Is it validated for you to hurt? Absolutely. Is it validated for you to have your human emotions? Absolutely. But is it okay for you to wallow and sit in that for the rest of your life? No, you are. You do not get to be that selfish. You don't need to be that selfish because there is a whole world who is hurting and who needs someone to tell them that, hey, I hurt too, but I can use this for good and you can use it for good. But it takes us taking the focus off of ourselves for a little bit. Surprise in a generation that is so self-centered. Take the focus off of yourself. And if you can fall in love with the people around you and you can have a heart that is so burdened for the people under you then it really does come into play. James chapter one, count it as joy when you encounter trials, count it as joy when you hurt, because you are able to relate to people now. You are able to sit in commonality with people now. You are able to reach people that you would never be able to reach before if you didn't hurt that way. 
And there is a saying how like so often we pray so hard. We're like, Lord, take me out of this dark season. Lord, take me out of this valley. But what we don't understand is in those valleys, in those dark places, that is where God is giving us what we need in the process. And so we need to be careful what we pray for, because we could be praying for the Lord to take us out of the place where he's trying to develop us in out of our own selfishness. And so it's like, Lord, make my thoughts come into agreement with your thoughts. Make my thoughts be agreeable to your will, because then we can have those connecting points from our ache to our gift. But it takes maturity and it takes discernment and it takes careful prayers because we don't want to pray ourselves out of the place where God has planted us. That's Girl, come on. I'm so good. That is the wrong way. And I learned it the hard way. So good. And I think honestly, I think most of us do learn it the hard way. And when I saw that you're like seven years into ministry and 23 years old, I was doing the math and I was like, oh man, she's been like rooted in her faith. And like, I desperately want to say that like my daughter who absolutely loves church and we read the Bible on a frequent basis and, you know, we worship together and it's really all she ever hears that she's going to stay within the church. And just like your parents, like I can't imagine paying her to go to church, but I would do it. I would 100% do it because you would want them there to be this continual deposit of love, of goodness. And even if you were rejecting everything that was coming in, you were still in the mist. And so I, I think that that was a part of your process. That was a part of your journey to say, like, we're going to pay you to be planted in the place that you are going to eventually go back to. And work. That's so crazy. That's so cool. So I want to ask you one final question. And it's around um, something that I also read on your website. Again, you guys got to go check it out. Even if you're just like consuming the words, it's just a breath of fresh air and truly affirming as a woman. And so you said these words, you said we were made to be confident. We were made to exhibit the love of Jesus. We were made to be leaders. We were made to know what we stand for and what we were worth. We were made to be the examples of what we wish we had. Let me be your advocate in helping you become the woman you are called to be. And I just think that there is so much need for this. And so my specific question to you is when you are doubting, when you feel like self-critical or potentially even imposter syndrome, how do you stand in his confidence? (laughs) Um, I think that this is a really real thing that not a lot of people want to be honest in. And so I, yes, I've been in ministry seven years, but I have had my doubts. I have tried to run away from ministry time after time because I said, I, I'm not good enough for it. This too much crap is going on in my life. My life is too messy. I got churchered. I can't do this. I, I am doubtful. But what has brought me back every time, what my mantra for the year has been this idea of having a heart of a patient expectation. And what do I mean by that? To be patient is to be in expectation for something. To to be okay to sit and wait because you trust that it's coming. But but to not rush it. And I'm coming somewhere, so I know I, know I sound like sorry, but because there's, there's lots that goes into it. So a patient expectation is that you know where you're going. You know what is true. You know what it's there but we can't rush it. We can't run to it. And we have to trust to be patient in it. And so when you're doubting, it's like, you know what the truth is. You know where you've been, you know where you're going, but because life happens, because humanity is humanity sometimes, because life is messy sometimes, we can find ourselves in these places where it's like, 
I don't know what to do anymore. I feel hopeless. What I was passionate about doesn't make me passionate anymore. I thought that I was called to this. Now I don't really know. This door shut. This door open. I'm kind of confused. It's like, what's going on? In Psalm 43, David was so in tune with his emotions. David was so honest with his emotions. He says, soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. He says, soul. Why are you cast down? Hope in God, for I shall again praise my salvation and my God. And so my advice for anyone who is doubting, anyone who feels stagnant, is sometimes you have to talk to yourself. You have to talk to your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. Because David, his spirit was willing because his spirit was with God. But it's our soul. It's our flesh that we are always battling with. And so when you are doubtful, you have to have the the discipline to talk to yourself. I, I'm not going to be nice. to talk to yourself, the ability to get your soul in alignment with your spirit. And so regardless of what's going on, talk to yourself and say, like, I know this is hard. I know this doesn't make sense, but this is the truth that you know, and you have to get yourself, you have to yank yourself in alignment with it sometimes. And that's what it takes sometimes. And so for anyone who's doubting, I would say to have the heart and care for yourself enough to have the hard conversation with yourself and to make yourself get in the word of God because people's opinions, people's podcasts, people's sermons, they will only go so far. But the only thing that's going to help you and the only thing that's going to change is the uncompromisable word of God. And you have to take the action to read it and get it instilled in yourself or you will never make it. You won't. You have to have a love for the word. You have to be rooted in the word or when the storms come, you're going to fall. And you can't do that. You need to care about yourself and care about your ministry enough to be rooted in the uncompromisable word of God. Oh man, I am loving this. I don't want it to end. This is so good. Oh. It's so amazing. And I am like, I, I am expectant just to see everything that God does in and through you. And I am just so excited that he got us connected the way that he did. And I just believe for the people who are listening that you guys are welcome. And that's like such an important thing. And I know now like a tagline that people say, like, there's a seat at the table for you or whatever that be. But it's the recognition that there are people who have walked through the muck and the mire. There are people who have been and sometimes still are in the valley. And yet I can stand alongside Hope in the valley and raise her hands or vice versa, because we know that there is a mountaintop on the other side. We know that in that valley is where the dry bones start rattling, right? And that God's going to breathe life in that space for us to continue to climb to the next peak. And that is life. It's not meant to be this straight path, straight, narrow path. Like there is a, a roller coaster in the experience, but it's the staying and abiding. And that abiding is the word of God. That abiding is staying in connection with him, in alignment with him, in your prayer life with him. And when you're talking to yourself, I can tell you something. There is somebody on the other end of wherever you are who is listening and who will actually speak back to you in that time frame. And so if prayer is the place that you feel comfortable speaking out loud, or if talking in the mirror is the place that you feel comfortable, be willing to listen just as much as it is that you speak. Because oftentimes we pray, we say the words, and then we're out. And we never take the moment and the time of the process. This is a two-way conversation. If you were to just meet someone, say something, and then dip, there's no way for them to even respond or have the words of encouragement or have a next answer for you. If you ask a question and say, peace, 
What do you expect to happen? Like you have to answer the question on your own. And that's when we get in trouble. That's when we fall prey to what the world has to say. And we listen to that versus listening to what our father has to say in the process. So Hope, you are a gift. I thank you so much for being with us today and can't wait to connect further. Let everybody know beyond just your website, which we dropped, is Instagram's the best place to go? Yes, my website and Instagram, those are really the only two platforms I'm on. I told the Lord that he'll have to use somebody else for TikTok because it's not going to happen. <laughs> yes, <laughs> love that. So Hope McQuinn, you guys, again, such a gift, friend. And we are going to stand in this promise of becoming better with you because that is truly my heart as well for women and men uh, to just to take the option, take the opportunity and take the hope. Um, not just, you know, pun intended <laughs> to, uh, to keep going, to keep pressing on to that be better version, best version of who you are and who God promises you to be. Oh, I love you guys. Thank you so much. See ya. Hey y'all. It's me again. I hope in today's episode, you sense and ignite to an ember within you. Something mentally, physically, emotionally, or spiritually moving that creates and sustains a fire within your journey. Before you go, let's solidify the flame. I'd love for you to take a step right now in declaring your takeaway. By snapping a pic of the episode you tuned into, share your sparked moment and tag me at fitandfaith underscore podcast or me personally at tamara.andress on Insta. I hope that I can keep you accountable and also share you with the greater community of the Fit and Faith podcast listeners. We're totally in this together. Community over competition is the motto, right? I'd also be incredibly grateful if you took an extra second to leave a review on iTunes or your podcast listening app. I'd love to feature your thought in the next episode and give you and your passion project a big shout out. You know I'm a writer, so I love words and I can't wait to read what you have to say. I'm ready to fuel the flame with you together. And until next time, blessings over your joy, health, wealth, and wholeness. Tune in next time. Hello, I'm Adam Comer. And I'm Ryan Chittister. And we are the host of Life After Addiction Podcast. What we believe is that addiction is not a surprise to God. That's right. We discuss addiction from a biblical worldview and how true freedom comes through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Absolute freedom from addiction. The secular worldview of once an addict, always an addict is just not true. If you or someone you love struggles with addiction, subscribe to Life After Addiction at lifeaudio.com.